Hey everybody, this is your host, Parker Hendricks. During this episode, we sit down with the Executive Director of the Atlanta Basketball Host Committee, Carl Atkins, to discuss events surrounding this year's Final Four that was canceled due to COVID-19. We recorded this several weeks ago uh, in the lead-up before any of this happened, and uh, while some of this information is no longer relevant, we had a really good conversation with Carl. He tells some really great stories about some memories that he has of working events such as the Olympics here in Atlanta and also other Final Fours that he's worked. And he also does a great job of uh, really explaining why our campus here at the Georgia Royal Congress Center Authority is able to host these major events uh, year in and year out. We want to thank Carl for coming on with us in a very busy time for him. And it was, like I said, it was a fantastic conversation. We hope that you enjoy and we hope that you and your loved ones are staying safe during this time of social distancing. Now, on to the episode. Parker Hendricks. And I'm Kent Kimes. And this is the AuthorCast, a podcast from the Georgia World Congress Center Authority. The number one convention, sports, and entertainment destination in the world. Welcome back to the AuthorCast. We're going to jump right into today's episode as Kent and I are honored to be joined by Carl Atkins, the Executive Director of the Atlanta Basketball Host Committee. Welcome, Carl. Hey, thanks, Parker. Good to see you guys. Um, This is your fourth Final Four that's coming up, uh, but you're in a different role this time around than you have been in the previous three. Can you explain kind of to our listeners what your job is now? Uh, Sure. So just for context, the first three were at the Georgia Dome when I was general manager of the building. And for the fourth one that I'm uh, fortunate enough to be able to do, I'm serving as the executive director of the Atlanta Basketball Host Committee, which is the entity that is responsible for fulfilling all of our obligations that we put forth in our bid and acting as the conduit uh, between the NCAA staff and the Atlanta hospitality community. So whether it's hotels, transportation, venues, public safety, public health, on and on and on. So we essentially, the host committee, are kind of their boots on the ground in Atlanta and making sure that everything, again, all of our obligations are met, and that we're performing at a high level and exceeding the expectations of the NCAA. So um, let me ask you this, Carl. Uh, why is the Final Four your favorite sporting event? Well, I've been fortunate enough to be around a lot of sporting events. And I think what makes this one special to me is it's just a very collegiate feel. Uh, for example, Super Bowls, you know, much more of a corporate environment. Um, the CFP was certainly, you know, we were able to host the fourth one. uh, And I think it has a lot of potential to grow like the final four, but the final four is just, it's so unique in that there's so many uh, low cost and no cost fan events in association with the, uh, the actual championship games and uh, the concerts, uh, the dribble, all the ancillary events, us hosting D2 and D3 championship at State Farm Arena. And it's just, it, 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 it's very open and welcoming to the community. So folks can get involved at any number of levels and be a part of the event without actually having to have a ticket to the, the games themselves. And it's, the, it's always held in conjunction with the National Association of Basketball Coaches. Uh, and as such, you'll see every famous coach you've ever seen live or on TV just out walking around or maybe jogging through the park. And there's just, there's not, 
this feel that there's a barrier between the fans and those participating. It's just, it's almost like a, a kind of a reunion every year of the whole basketball community. And that's all happening where? Right here. Right here on the authorities campus. Um, everything, everything in one footprint. So our campus, obviously, in your time here has grown tremendously. Can you talk about kind of how the Final Four has used that growth of our campus to kind of build around things that are going on here? Sure. Uh, in '02, which was the first one we hosted, uh, we had basketball set up in a half-house configuration in the dome. And Building A, I believe at that time, was used for what was then known as Bracket Town. And that was about it. Uh, now uh, we've got uh, FanFest presented by Capital One, which is the latest iteration of Bracket Town. And it's now in Building B, about a half a million square feet. Uh, there's a number of corporate hospitality events that are put on by Prime Sport, which will be in Building C. Uh, we've got the, the dribble, which I mentioned is, um, interactive, uh, parade for 3000 kids. that will be dribbling a basketball for about a mile through downtown Atlanta. Uh, we've got the free concerts in Centennial Olympic park. None of this happened back in Oh two, started to see a little bit of growth in seven and then 13, but it just continues to grow. And then with the D two D three championships right across the street, which I still consider as part of our campus, even though the facility is owned by uh, the city. Uh, you, you know, everything, you've got all these wonderful events, just stones throw away from each other, and it's all walkable. And that's pretty unique oh, yeah. for, for I, most cities. Yeah, I think the only city that would come close to having a similar concept is probably Indianapolis for the Final Four, and I'm speaking specifically for that, but their infrastructure and layout, but Atlanta's got that beat, you know, by miles. And we're not going to snow in, in early April. That is not in the plan. So. 72, sunny, and the azaleas be blooming. So that's, that's what we're looking forward to. Can you talk a little bit about, and you, you just did talk a little bit about it, but a little bit more, expound on uh, the Final Four as a prime example of an event that can use all of our facilities and how we're built to accommodate that kind of thing. Yeah, so let's see. Last year, the event was held in Minneapolis, and obviously the games were played in the uh, stadium, but their concerts, they couldn't do outdoor shows, so they had those at a facility called the Armory, which had a seating capacity of maybe 7,000, and it was an indoor event, and you had to register to get in. Uh, the convention center, which is a good three, four miles away from the stadium, hosted um, both the Dribble and the Fan Fest. But just about every city in the country, all the facilities are kind of fragmented and, you know, whether it's one mile, two miles, in some cases, 25, 30 miles apart, the, the competition venue from the downtown hotels or the other events. Uh, Atlanta, it, you know, it's amazing. It's literally all within this one footprint. Every event we're hosting including a legacy event on April 1st at the Center for Civil and Human Rights, which is literally a stone's throw from Centennial Olympic Park. Uh, anything from a venue needs perspective, this campus has it all. And there's no other city that can touch the big event infrastructure that we have when it comes to being able to host events like this. 
and it allows the event to continue to grow and morph and being able to, they, each time they come in, they see this space and they think, well, Hey, maybe we could do this too. Maybe we could do that too. Or our host committee may suggest, why don't you think about doing this or doing that? And so we, you know, in addition to just being their boots on the ground and their business partner, we want to help them grow. We want to continue to kind of help them define and and set a new bar for excellence in the event world each time they come to town. Um, yeah, I know that we've we've talked offline before about how you know this is not this is kind of the first wave of big events that we're having with the new stadium, but more you know hopefully going to be coming as we plan for more events to come. These type of major sporting events. What does the hotel project? Does that bolster our opportunities oh, to get huge, places? Huge. Uh, the fact that now you'll have essentially a thousand room hotel on either end of the property. It's, it, it's, it's amazing. I'm sure the next time the NCAA comes, which the earliest would be 2027 is the next opening in the bid cycle. Uh, I, I have no doubt in my mind that would be the headquarter hotel for the NCAA as well as the headquarters for the NABC. And it just makes that footprint even that much more compact. Uh, whereas this year, the NCAA will be at the Hyatt and the coaches are at the Omni. So you're just bringing, every, bringing that critical mass closer and closer to the facilities to where it, you walk out of your hotel room door and bam, you're where you need to be. What would you say to a large event uh, and meeting planners who say that the GWCCA can't handle their, their large event? Uh, I'd say they need to come back down here and take a walk around and uh, maybe Final Four might be a great example of why they are as one they could look at and see the capabilities that exist. And it really is just, it's as big as your imagination. Uh, I, I can't see where this facility couldn't host any event. What can meeting planners learn uh, from how Final Four and big events are planned and how they can use that, you know, for their own events that they have going on? I think that one of the key things is the staff at the authority is also very fine-tuned to the customer in being able to share best practices from events to events. So while one may think that a transportation trade show and a sporting event have nothing in common, but the reality is if it's the same event coordinator and salesperson working those two events, they can help both customers learn from the other events. And all those best practices they picked up whether it be advertising, whether it be uh, soup to nuts. I mean, you name it. It's, it's a, the, the staff is so tuned in to being able to help every event grow. Something that we talk about a lot on this podcast and something that I've heard you mention uh, several times throughout the years is that, you know, we treat every event like the Super Bowl or the Final Four, regardless of what it is, because for that customer, this is their championship event. They may have one event a year. Uh, so it's a big deal. That's something that we take a lot of pride in here. Yep. And I've seen it firsthand, you know, whether it's a dance competition in an auditorium or a major uh, new product launch or some of the biggest trade shows in the country, the staff treats them all with the same level of uh, attention to detail and just does a fantastic job. 
that kind of leads to where I was uh, the question I was going to ask. What what about the uh, an event planner who say, well, this place is too big for me. I'm I'm not that I'm not that big. Well, the beauty of the design and the growth of this facility over the years is that you can have a whole building to yourself. You know, you've got three primary buildings, if you will, uh, or you could have one section of one building to yourself. The the way you can segment the space whether it's the proximity to parking, whether it's proximity to hotel rooms, whatever the case may be, you can, I could see where someone could walk in and be overwhelmed by the size of the campus. But if as long as that meeting planner says, here is what I need, I guarantee there's a fit. And that fit, and there might be two or three fits within the campus, uh, and that's where the sales and event services team can help them say, okay, we understand what it is you're looking for. Let us show you some options. And, you know, you literally could have a major trade show going on in building C and a smaller event over in building A, never the two will cross paths. And so it's, even though it's a very big campus, it's also a very small and event friendly campus. So before we let you go today, uh, something that we always ask our guests or kind of favorite memories or what you enjoy working about in this industry. So if you have anything you could share uh, with us today, that would be great. Uh, that's a tough one. Uh, I've been very, very fortunate to be a part of a number of uh, really exciting and major events, not only here in Atlanta for the past 30 years, uh, but in 15 years before that in other facilities I've worked. Uh, I think. If, if I had to single one thing out as far as just a true chill bump moment, it was when the um, U.S. gymnastics, women's gymnastics team got gold in the Georgia Dome. And during the gold medal ceremony, I'm, I'm getting chill bumps right now thinking about it. I remember standing aisle U2 in the upper level of the dome watching as the flags were going up. And I called my wife, I, I remember it clearly, and said, are you watching this? Are you watching this? And it was just a really, really special moment for, you know, the U.S. team to get gold in a building that, you know, I, I was part of responsible for making everything come together. That's, that's an awesome memory. Do you have any uh, favorite Final Four memory or story from, from behind the scenes? Uh. You know, I think probably just the last one in general, the 2013, it was special in that it was the 75th anniversary of the Final Four. And I mentioned a lot of the events that have evolved. A lot of those were just kind of getting their footing, like the concerts. I think that was the second year that um, the event hosted free concerts with it. But everything just fell into place perfectly. Uh, the relationship between the facilities and the host committee and the NCAA and the whole hospitality community, everybody just worked so well, pulling in one direction, and everything just came off perfectly. I mean, that's obviously a lot of planning and you know, a lot of behind-the-scenes work, but uh, even the weather was perfect. I mean, it just... It was just, a, I, I remember being on the court when it was over and we did a champagne toast with the NCAA. And standing there with all the confetti and the the adrenaline 
still pumping from, you know, what we'd been through with the, the national championship game and all the events leading up to it. I think it's just standing there with um, Dan Gavitt at the time and, and uh, Jeannie Boyd with the NCAA and, and just feeling, I wouldn't say overwhelmed, but just feeling awesome. Uh, it just, such an incredible testament to so many people working together, pulling in one direction to make this one event so special. Was that your one shining moment? You know what? I guess you could say that. Yeah. It, uh, just, although it was probably about 30 or 40 minutes after they ran the tape. Um, otherwise, maybe we could have got that clip in there. <laughs> well, we we want to thank you so much for sitting down with us today. Um, you mentioned earlier there's a ton of events for the public to come through. Is there a best place for people to find that information about events? NCAA.com. Final four. Yes, sir. Thank you so much, Carl. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Authorcast. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and blog at gwcca.org backslash unconventional and rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. For Kent Kimes, I'm Parker Hendricks, and this has been the Authorcast.